Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years. Here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To five three three four two New York, call the twenty four seven Hope Line at one eight seven seven eight Hope and Y or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to all sentient beings. It's the Woke Bros. I'm Michael Jamal Brooks, joined as always by my great friend, comrade and compadre, the Haitian sensation, very much also the irritation himself, Big Waz, Wazni Lambre. Yo, yo, what's up, man? Coming to you guys live and direct from New York City, where the irritation was born. Where the irritation first arrived. As always, right. we got the great Rob Lopez, he's on the ones and twos. Shout out to everybody in the extended Count the Dings TMBS universe. And of course, the evil genius, Jade Hoy. We got a lot to get to as we always do on World Bros. First out of the gate real quick, November 23rd, Michael Brooks show in Philadelphia at the World Cafe with special guests, Artesia Balthrop, Emma Viglin, and Crystal Ball. Links in the show description. As always, there is no way in hell you're gonna want you're gonna want to miss this one. Buy your tickets immediately. Was anything to get out of the way before we start? Yeah, we have a very limited run of counted things live in San Francisco uh, on October 12th at the Independent. Um, a very limited run left on counterdings.com. So if you haven't already gotten your tickets or maybe you want to invite a couple more people to come join the party, you might want to do that ASAPly. And we're calling this show the band version because a version of our flyer um, earned us a cease and desist letter from the Golden State Warriors. So this is the band version, y'all. This is the band version. You don't want to miss this one. <coughs> Oh, my God, that made me laugh and cough, man. That is ridiculous. All right. Um, 
So we got a couple of pieces of business to attend to. Last week, there was a Democratic presidential debate, honestly. And uh, I was doubly pained because I was basically contractually obligated to watch and cover the thing live. It was absolutely boring and uneventful. And honestly, a lot of these people with each week, I get more worried about any of them being able to handle Donald Trump on a performance level. Uh, and then what made it even worse was, was that I found out in the middle of the coverage, my friend Trevor Beaulieu let me know that um, Kofi was in town giving a concert. So I could have been seeing Kofi instead of watching that shit. Wow. So I was in a very bad mood, very sad, <laughs> and it was a very sad, low energy evening overall. And I don't know, man, there's not much to debrief on it. We already know what it is, but we thought that I, there was probably some dunking to do on the Joe Bidens, the Betos, the Pete Buttigieg's. By the way, but who's the one you hate most? I mean, Pete Buttigieg is probably the one I hate most of all of them. <sighs> yeah. It's, pro it's probably... Uh, no, it's Beto. It's Beto. Because Beto really thinks he's some kind of savior sent down from heaven. And he's just an empty suit, or in his case, an empty rolled-up button-up. But, like, I, I, I just, I don't know. I'm not a, I, it's, it's tough because Biden's so old and, like, it's so clear. Like, I feel like some of the people around him at this point, it feels like they're taking advantage of him. In the sense that it's just like they're, you know, the consultants and the people who are on his staff. It's just like, y'all just taking money at this point, man. This dude can't win. He can't hold up for a whole campaign. His goddamn teeth are falling out. And come on, man. Let, See, let not, it rest. I'm not even joking. I'm not even joking. I said on, on TMBS on Tuesday with Emma Viglin, and it's like, it's sort of a laugh line, but I'm not even really kidding. Is it fair to under, to look at this as an act of elder abuse to run Joe Biden like this? Why not? Why not? I mean, Why I'm not? serious. And the thing is, Mike, it's 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 not just that he's old. It's like when you combined, and it's not about being old. It's like he clearly doesn't have a command of what he wants to put out there and say. It's not his age. If he was sharp well, and not. nimble. Because again, I, look, people accuse me. Obviously, I'm a thousand Bernie Sanders as the candidate, period. I'm sorry, no apologies. But regardless of what you think of Sanders, whether you have the right opinion or not on him, you I mean, it's obviously not about age. 70, he's 77. He's sharp as a tack. But yeah, Joe Biden, Joe Biden looks like he's that. spoiled. Exactly. And and then you know what it is, Mike, you you combine his deteriorating state with the just the, the egotism that it takes to run for public office in the first place. Like you have to have a certain amount of ego and like I'm going to do it. It's all about me. I'm the man type of type of attitude even try to do that job in the first place so you combine that extreme ego that all politicians possess let's not get it twisted it's not unique to joe biden but you you combine that character trait or flaw whatever you want to call it um with his diminishing state and you got a train wreck here um and the more and more he stays on the stage the more embarrassing it is for him and, and you know i think the debate was an example of that um 
I know we're going to get to Castro calling him out for misremembering things. And, you know, to be fair to Biden, when you actually do run the tape back, he didn't actually misremember. It was just a whatever. It doesn't matter. But the point was made like, bro, you're old and you don't need to be doing this. I saw the typical libtard argument of, oh, we have to be nice and we have to do this. And this it's just nonsense, bro. These people are trying to become president. Not dog catcher, okay? Like, that's the job that they're going for. They're trying to be, they're trying to ascend to the highest office in the land, the most powerful position in the world. I'm sorry. This this level of scrutiny, I think, is not only appropriate, I think it's fucking necessary. Of course. And also, I mean, this is the classic bullshit. Because first of all, Rahm Emanuel said that Julian Castro was being mean. And I was I literally, I mean, even me, man, I was honestly like, I was I, like, you mean like mean compared to covering up the killing of a teenager? Like, I like Rahm Emanuel, like the most foul mouthed dude in the history of politics. Just and a systemic opponent of poor people, of people of color, an enemy of teachers, a promoter of police violence and gentrification. I mean, just one of the worst people in modern American life. And then that's like the substantive part. But then there's also just like, I mean, and this is what's just fucking crazy about how delusional libs are. Because it's like, even if I was to play in that delusion, like, you know what? Sure. Joe Biden's running for president. But obviously, of course, that would be no reason to call him on anything. Absolutely, guys. You're totally right. Running for president is obviously not the time to challenge people. Uh, I, I agree. <laughs> but um, you think that like what, like, what is it? Maybe that's a good set. Like because Donald Trump is going to be like, yeah, I would never make fun of Joe's memory. Like, are you idiots? I mean, honestly, like I just did. The combination amongst elite Democrats with arrogance, condescension, and dismissal of Sanders and people who are actually working to change things in a real way that would threaten their own positions, combined with the fact that they're just total wuss bags, it just never ceases to amaze me. And that's also why these are the same people you know, like you and I out of the gate, even before he was talking about running for president, we were like, hey, you know what? Like Beto is running for Senate against one of literally the worst people on planet Earth. Like Ted Cruz is fucking. Obviously, he's a better evil. alternative. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, of course, yeah. we're going to support this kind of like silly, nice, yuppie guy who rolls his sleeves up. But we're not talking about him running for president. Like the and these people were actually delusional enough. Like, oh my God, he he stands on tables, run for president. Like, and Pete Buttigieg, man, like at least Beto wants to be loved. Pete Buttigieg is is looks like a fucking sociopath to me. I mean, just the level <laughs> I even say is just wild, man. Yeah, Beto 
Who had his typical say nothing? Of course, he had his line right. about he's going to take the guns away and all of that, which, again, I don't think that topic's an actual winner in any way, shape, or form. I, I might be in the minority here. I think guns are a loser for Dems because we don't actually care, especially people like you and I who live in cities. Like, if you live in Seattle, you live in New York, you live in Los Angeles, this is not an issue that you actually give a damn about. And this is where, like your most ardent and strident supporters are. And conversely, those districts and and those areas where you can flip people on the economics, they damn sure don't want to hear about your gun shit. You understand what I'm saying? So it's like that shit is a loser all the way around. Um, He had his little gun moment. But yeah, like you said, Beto, Harris, Buttigieg, they're all just, you know, they're all well, just in Harris, the race to, to further to, to further their brands. Harris is embarrassing, man. I I was like, yeah, she's a woman out of time. She's a woman out of time, and we and we were one of the people, the first people to say this months ago, where we were yeah. like, yo, man, this shit might have worked in 08 for you. You know, it might have worked in 04 for you. It, this is not working. Your record, your resume is a loser for you. It's a non-starter in today's climate. Um in the Democratic Party anyway. You'd be better off, you know, running for something uh, on the Republican side, buddy. You'd be better off going to Orange County and just becoming <laughs> a Republican. Like, seriously, dude. Like, it, this ain't working for you. Uh, that video of her laughing about schools, not prisons. I mean, Jesus Christ, man. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's she's finished. Let's uh, definitely. Let's All right, let's... Um, Let's keep it moving and talk about Waz's favorite artist, a woman that he has a deep admiration for, someone who he will defend to the hilt. And of course, I'm talking about Taylor Swift. <laughs> uh, Everybody thought you were going to say Rihanna. <laughs> no, no, Taylor Swift. No, you. I remember you saying you respect Rihanna, but you're open to criticism. But Taylor Swift is the greatest artist of the 21st century. <laughs> So I remember you saying that. Was that me or was that was that me or was that Maga Maclet? That was like actually, that was both you and Ma- I was terrified that all of us were at a bar together and Maga Matlek and Big Waz start crying and saying, They don't give Taylor no credit. And I said, I gotta get out of here, man. <laughs> It's wild. It's like she's one of the strongest singer songwriters of our time. So she just gave an interview where she basically she kind of acknowledged that she had not been particularly uh, political in the past. Uh, in 2018, she endorsed an extreme, very, very, very right wing Democrat running for Senate in Tennessee, who you know said he would vote for Brett Kavanaugh and everything. But she really endorsed him. And, and basically, I think she just said vote Democrat across the board, kind of because in her first sort of public anti-Trump stance, which is cool. And I think definitely cool because, you know, I think there was a little bit of a meme like in 2016 where a lot of neo-Nazis were interested in her. So obviously it was good, you know, to see her formally oppose, you know, the Trump white supremacy presidency. But now she's kind of coming out much more fully and talking about 2020. And I don't want to just talk about this. I just want to talk about the kind of perennial conversation about 
you know, celebrities and influencers and elections and how we actually interpret this. But she said, there's literally nothing worse than white supremacy. It's repulsive. There should be no place for it. Really, I keep trying to learn as much as I can about politics, and it's become something that I'm now obsessed with. Whereas before, I was living in this sort of political ambivalence because the person I voted for had always won. I think a lot of people are like me, but they just didn't know that this could happen. But I'm just focused on the 2020 election. I'm really focused on it. I'm really focused on how I can help not hinder because I also don't want it to backfire again because I do feel that the celebrity involvement in Hillary's campaign was against her in a lot of ways. Um, basically, I think she kind of went on to basically say she's not going to pick a Democrat in the primary. She's, you know, she's kind of saying that anybody, I, I think really the best version of a kind of anybody but Trump argument. I, I, mean, I thought she came off pretty well in it. As particularly the fact that she was pretty about how all of the celebrity stuff with Hillary Clinton obviously wasn't helpful. But I don't know, man. What's what's your kind of broader read on it? I got some thoughts, but you go first. I, and for me, at the end of the day, this is – especially for somebody as popular, as visible, as powerful, quite frankly, as Taylor Swift is, influential. Um, this is such a large leap from – Yo, I'm a country artist, so I will make sure to never address the racism and, you know, the kind of disgusting nature of a large swath of my fan base. I don't want to say all country music fans are huge, bigoted races, but I would say a lot of them are, right? <laughs> like, it's just one of those things, right? So she went from completely the opposite direction. Not the, I guess the opposite direction would, you know, be a full-throated endorsement. Smith, like uh, Hank Williams type of shit. She wasn't doing that, but she was doing the next worst thing, which is saying nothing. Um, right. So even this, if you want to say she's soft peddling it and she's, you know, sort of not even on the fence, but she, this isn't a full-throated endorsement, that's fine. That's a fine critique for you to have. But I think this is, man, this is just way better than saying absolutely nothing when it's so obvious the culture that you're both that you both come from and is still you know largely associated with even though she's not a um quote unquote country artist anymore she's still associated with that culture and um that's her background so i think this is a huge step in the right direction yeah i think so too i mean i i i just i think that it's important to like you know make a little bit of a distinction I, she does go on to say she says i think as a party we need to be more of a team with Republicans, if you're wearing that red hat, you're one of them. You're going to do anything to change what's happening. Big we need facts. to stick together. We need to stop dissecting why someone's on our side. And if they're on our side the right way or phrased it correctly, we need to be to have the right kind of Democrat the right and the wrong kind of Democrat. We need to just be like, you're a Democrat. Sit. Get in the car. We're going to the mall. <laughs> and you know what's funny about that is I actually think to some extent – there is a way in which I actually agree with her. I just wouldn't define it yeah. as Democrat. Like, I think, though, you know, because we've talked about how— Right. You know, that, that's, that's, that's true. That, that, like, what you just said, that distinction is perfect. Like, it's not—well, it's not any old Democrat, but person of a certain disposition, yeah, cool. Like, you don't have to want to abolish the banks and all billionaires the way I do. I mean, that's just me, but whatever. We don't, you don't want to break up the banks, but generally speaking, you're in the same direction as me, and that's kind of good enough, right? 
I mean, I guess what I'm saying is I think even beyond like I actually think like, you know, this whole broader conversation about how toxic and stupid cancel and call out culture is and everything. I think there's something to that attitude that you try to keep working with people on your team. Everybody has room to grow and evolve. And you're not just always looking to like purify the cult. And so even though I'm sure I'm on the different page with her on a lot of things, there is actually something about that attitude that I think is healthy and definitely there needs to be way more of on the left and also just like a commitment to to winning instead of just like self-policing. But I also think like, you know, I, I think especially given her country demographic, the fact that she's specifically talking about white supremacy is is really good. And I also do think, though, that like, you know, part of the reason it hurt with Hillary is because, you know, this is where, though, we do have to be real. Like there isn't one Democratic Party. You know, there's plenty of Democrats who are pro oligarch, they're pro corporate. They are going along and have been for decades with the policies that hurt the poor and middle class. And there's a lot of celebrities who it's like, you know, at the end of the day, they're comfortable with the prevailing order and they're greedy, but they also want to seem like they're woke. And, you know, there's plenty of Democratic candidates who are pure status quo candidates like Hillary Clinton, who, you know, can go along with that. So I think, you know, and, and that is to me interesting, like how celebrities do show up in different ways, right? Like, I mean, obviously John Cusack is obviously not like Beyonce or Taylor Swift, but he is like, you know, a bona fide movie star. That's at least, you know, yep. fairly recently. And, you know, we follow one another on Twitter. And it's funny because he's very like, you know, he's clearly a cool, like in contrast to a lot of other celebrities, like he's immersed in this shit. You know what I mean? He's just like everybody else that is like on political Twitter. He's watching Democracy Now. He wants you to read this right. poll. And and it's funny because, you know, in some ways it's super humanizing and he sometimes I'm sure he's got some bad takes. Sometimes he's got some great takes. But what stands out is this guy is very invested in the process. Like he knows exactly why he supports Bernie Sanders. He knows what he's doing. Uh, obviously, you know, I think, um, of course, like, you know, the surrogates around Bernie, like Killer Mike or Cardi B, like you're talking about people who. You know, they're not just sort of like market testing whether or not they should be involved in politics. These are people who are really deep in it and really care about and have a deep understanding of the issues. So I, I do think that, you know, that tracks to the broader public. People can read how, where you're coming from, and why you're doing this. But the last thing I'll say is I think funnily enough, I think Taylor Swift actually works because she's keeping it so simple. She's just saying, like, I think white supremacy is fucking disgusting. I'm going to work against it. And she's not making an overclaim. And as you said, it's not necessarily the safe thing for her to do market wise. So I think it actually plays pretty well. Well, and, you know, the, the interesting thing about her bringing up Hillary is and I think rightfully Hillary got slammed because it's like, you know, it's 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 obvious she's thought about. What um and she by she I mean Taylor Swift she's thought about what she wanted to say how she wanted to say it you know she thought about the platform she would use she she, she this is rehearsed in in the best possible way right because when celebrities come out and 
they talk about, oh, this, that, political issues. A lot of times it just sounds stupid. And she's smart enough to recognize that and be like, I'm not going to try to get into the weeds. I'm just going to let you know where I'm at. And, it, and you know, it, and I'm going to give you enough to so that you know the essentials to be like, this is what side I'm riding with. I think why, why it's a super dope contrast with Hillary, you know, it's just the idea that she had Beyonce perform in Ohio because it's a swing state. It's just like, <laughs> there's a sort of tone deafness and cluelessness to, to that idea, right? Like, we get, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with having celebrity endorsers or, you know, uh, musician endorsers, uh, but it, it needs to be more effectively deployed, right? Like, I think if Beyonce um, would just stump in Houston, for instance, where she's a hero or something, like, I I get that, right? Like, just the idea that you just throw Beyonce in there because she's famous and everybody seems to love her and, you know, you know Ohio's a swing state. I, like, it, it just it speaks to a cluelessness, you know what I'm saying? So, um, the way Taylor Swift uh, rolled this out, I think, is a little bit is much more effective, and it, it's nice um, during the week where you know because she's so inextricably tied to Kanye, and you know he's basically tried to save his career now by going the God route, and now he's like doing church services every Sunday, and his next <laughs> album is Jesus is King. Like. It's wow. it's so interesting, like like that during the same week that he announces this Jesus is King album, um, t- which to me is just straight up just a cynical, you know, appealing to the black community. We know they love church and God. I'm gonna drop this album to get them back on my side after this Trump debate. That's just how I'm reading it. Maybe some people are thinking that's genuine or whatever. So just watch him do something that cynical and stupid this week, and Taylor Swift come out and actually like you know take take a stance on something important, it's kind of cool. Isn't that, yeah, it's wild how things just shift like that in terms of, you know, like we all kind of, like even, I mean, Kanye shouldn't have done it how he did it, but I think, you know, those of us, like, I, there was that moment where it's like, hey, you know what, he should have done it that way maybe, but he was right about Beyonce winning that video and fuck yes, Taylor and Swift. The- and, and now and all of a sudden, of years later, which, and would you have, but would you have predicted that however many years, like eight years later, whatever it is, like, hey, do you know that in 2019, Donald Trump is going to be leading a white nationalist White House and Taylor Swift is going to break her silence on politics to call out white supremacy for the right. grotesque thing it is. Kanye is going to be begging for a meeting with Trump. And then put out a Jesus album. Actually, I would believe the Jesus album. I, 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 one of the reasons I could never be too soft on Kanye is I, Jesus walks, man. No, no, Mm-mm. I don't like that song. <laughs> Yo, it's just you know the funny thing is, Mike. It's like all the things you just said. It's the idea that Taylor Swift is more revolutionary than Kanye West right now. That's crazy. Right, like the the her coming out and making this political stance is a, is a bigger revolutionary act than anything Kanye's done in the last what three years. It's 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 wild to think. <laughs> that is pretty wild. Mr. Hernandez, are you currently in federal custody? Whoa. Yes, sir. Approximately when did you start living in federal custody? Uh, well, no, um. November 18, 2018. What were you arrested for? 
uh, racketeering charges, um, you know, uh, violent crime, shootings, uh, drug distribution. At some point, did you decide to cooperate with the government? Yes. When did that happen? Uh, a day after, um, November 19th, the day after, uh, we, we was taken down. And you listed racketeering as one of the crimes to which you pleaded guilty. Were you a member of any gang? Yes, sir. What was the name of the gang that you were a member of? Uh, the Nantre Bloods. Nantre Blood. Approximately when did you become a member? Uh, around, uh, I would say November of 2017. What sorts of things did Nine Trey members do? Uh, we participated in a lot of, uh, you know, violent crimes, um, robberies, assaults, uh, drugs, sorts of that nature. Mr. Hernandez, do you recognize anyone in the courtroom who was a member of Nine Trey when you were a member? Yes. Who do you recognize? And if you, if you can identify that person, uh, can you identify where they're sitting in an article of clothing that that person may be wearing? Uh, Hob Anthony Ellison has a gray suit on. Um, And uh, Nuke Ajumai Mac has the brown suit on with the white thing on his head. Your Honor, may the record reflect that the uh, witness has identified Mr. Mac and Mr. Ellison? Yes, the record reflects that Mr. Um, um, Hernandez, in sequence, uh, uh, identified uh, Mr. Ellison and then Mr. Mac. Thank you, Your Honor. Now, directing your attention to September 2017. Did there come a time when you filmed a music video in Brooklyn? Yes, sir. Where in Brooklyn? Uh, Bedford Stuyvesant, uh, Brooklyn, uh, on Madison between uh, Tompkins Avenue and Troop. Do you remember the address? I believe I want to say it's 370 Madison. 370? 370. <laughs> Mr. Hernandez, do you see Government Exhibit 202? Yes. What is that? 370 Madison. Is that a photograph of 370 Madison? Yes, sir. Does it fairly accurately depict the way 370 Madison looked? Yes, sir. Your Honor, the government office government exhibit 202. Any objection? None, Your Honor. No, no objection. Proceed. May we publish it, Your Honor? Yes. So you filmed the music video in front of 370 Madison? Yes, sir. What was the name of that song? Gummo. Gummo. G-U-M-M-O. Niggas envy, uh, blicky got the stiffy, uh. We actually interviewed Takashi 69s lawyer uh, several episodes ago, several months ago, and I just want to—I mean, I, I do to—I do think that that is probably the most um, 
relevant thing to look at, the kind of broader picture of the criminalization of rap music, how this fits into, you know, broader culture of race and policing. It's not just a gossip thing is what I'm trying to say. Now, that being said, let's get to the gossip. What the fuck is Takashi 6ix9ine doing in court? He's obviously it came out months ago that he was going to cooperate with the state. Which, like, absolutely nobody was surprised. No, There were people who were like, wow, I can't believe he's doing that to all the people that he was hanging out with. Whereas, like, in, in, in his testimonies, like, these are not people I've known my whole life. I wanted to portray a certain image, and these people gave me access to the tools that would allow for my portrayal to be as authentic as could be possible coming from somebody like me and where I'm from. That's what he said. And he's like, these are the things that I've learned. These are the things that I've observed while being in the company of genuine people who have been in the system, been, been arrested, criminalized, have been convicted of crimes before. Violent felons. Like, these are the people who I decided to cast my lot with in order to, you know, in order to brandish an image. Um... And in the process, he's gone about naming as many famous people as he possibly can in connection to this drug stuff. So far, he's named Jim Jones. He's named Cardi B. He's named Trippy Red. He's named Casanova. Like, the list just goes on of people he's just named. Like, yeah, that person's affiliated. That person's affiliated. This is, and we've talked about this in our little pre-show meeting, Mike. Um, This is a hip-hop cop's wet, wet dream. This trial, right. like just the idea of like, you see, this is why we do need to monitor these people. This is why we do need to harass them and follow them around. They're all gang members. They're all shooting people. They're all terrible. Um, it's man, this thing is astonishing. See, the thing, though, that is really like troublesome, again, like on a more substantive level is is like, what are we actually talking about here? Like if you go to some of the claims, right? Like they used to say that the, that like the Wu-Tang Clan was a, a drug dealing organization. And there's no question that some, like there's, you know, there's record companies and some rappers that have gotten, you know, initial investments from, you know, from drug dealers or drug money or whatever. By the way, that is not exclusive to hip hop by any stretch of the imagination. At all. Um, and then also, I mean, you know, hello. Have we ever heard of the Kennedys bootlegging? I mean, give me a break. Well, I'm, I'm not I'm just talking about other genres of music, but yes. Oh I yeah, mean, of course. I mean, if you want to, you know, there's nothing special about this and hip hop. But even beyond that, like what he's saying about somebody like a Cardi B, like I'm sorry, like Cardi B is not involved, or I should say, I would be. I, one of the only things in life that would actually shock me is if Cardi B amidst her schedule was part of a drug cartel. Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> right. Like what, like what some of these people are saying, like that is totally different. And I would go back to the Trey episode on Nipsey Hussle, you know, which I think a lot of people learned a lot on, but it's so intuitively obvious. It's like, if you came from a, you know, basically if your social circle formed in a certain place, that doesn't disappear. And some people's social circles in certain places are gang heavy. And I'm not even trying, like, I'm making that, that's a sky is blue comment. That's not good. That's not bad. That's not glorified. That's not whatever. That is life. 
People come from different places. They associate and know different people. So the idea that you're going to say like, oh, there was there were known bloods in a video. Well, yeah, those are her friends. Like I don't and 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 what it all does track to is let's actually harass and monitor and create stories about these artists, which are serious. I mean, you know, it's a little bit far afield, but like, look at the Buju Bonson case. Like that was bullshit. Yep. Literally, I mean, that guy got hustled into actually basically trying to make himself look like a tough guy on the plane, even though he is not. He's a singer. He's not a fucking cocaine dealer. He gets several years in prison. This is serious. Yeah. And the thing, the funny, the thing about this whole thing, obviously, they bring a trumped up charge to Takashi because the state. And the, the 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 investigators intuitively they know Takashi's not a gang member. The whole point of putting all of that um, pressure on him with you know jail time is so that he can help them build their case. Like that that's like so obvious. It, it, it you know it doesn't even bear mentioning. But what I do want to say is that oftentimes, man, and this has been the case basically since hip-hop got monetized, is that guys who have been incarcerated before and would come home and ordinarily be back in the streets doing things that are illegal turn to hip-hop, rap music, and that business and enterprise and were able to carve out legitimate careers for themselves out of it, okay? And so the idea that you would, you know, Hey, man, you're associating with known criminals. These are, like you just said, these are people who I know. These are people around me. And guess what? We're now pursuing a legitimate endeavor in this hip-hop shit. So get off of our backs. Yes, we are former felons. Yes, somebody I know might be selling weed on the side. Do you know what I mean? Pay his rent and help his, and help put food on the table for his mom and his kids. But guess what? We're pursuing... You know, some legal endeavors now. We're getting 15000 to show. Yes, we spreading it around to guys that are security. And yes, some of those guys were in the penitentiary. And guess what? When you're in Rikers Island, if you ain't in the gang, you're going to get taken advantage of. Y'all made a system that people who aren't in gangs can't survive. So if somebody gets incarcerated, right, and they've paid their time, they come out, yes, they gang affiliated. You can't survive on Rikers Island without being such. Like, it doesn't happen. And that's your Rikers Island system. Like, y'all made that system. Y'all created that. You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying? So this idea that, you know, Takashi gets on the stand and says, Jim Jones is affiliated. It's like, yeah, so? You think Jim Jones is out shooting, robbing, stealing, killing people? This guy's a legitimate businessman now. But yes, he still maintains affiliations with people who are gang members, who I guess, in the eyes of certain types of people, are subhuman and don't What's deserve affiliation. I'm really, I don't even know. Like, affiliation doesn't mean anything to me at this point. I don't know. Like, the way I have a friend who, a, like, a very good friend who's a Republican political strategist. He's not, now I should say, he's never worked for Trump or done anything with Trump. He didn't even vote for Trump. But, He's in the he is in the mix of the fucking corridors of the Republican Party. He's a good friend of mine. We have dinner together sometimes. We hang out. Am I affiliated with Mitch McConnell now? 
Like I'm, I'm not even. No. Like what? Like what the fuck does that even no. mean? You let me tell you what affiliation means. Let me tell you what affiliation. No, I'm talking means. about how they mean it's, it. And they say it. No, I'm. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you what it actually means. What they mean is just like you're. Like you're. What you're saying is valid. It's like you're not saying anything by claiming a quote unquote affiliation. That does definitionally. What does that? What are you actually defining here? I. I like you're right. Um, in practice, all it means is that Jim Jones, when he goes to a nightclub, if there are, may happen to be some type of guys that might rob, might, you know, might be inclined to try to take something from Jim Jones. His affiliation allows for that. You know what? The OGs, the big dogs in that gang would be like, you know what? Jones is affiliated. Don't do anything to him. That's what an affiliation means. Period. Period. To um, the beginning and the end. That's all it means. It doesn't mean that he's on the block selling weed and coke and heroin. With the other gang members, that's not what that means. <laughs> well, and it's also, and it's also like, what, what is the, well, yeah, and, and then you know, I mean, it's such a basic point, and so I'll leave it quick. But like, we have all this cultural mythology of like Frank Sinatra and the Rat Pack, and he was friends with Kennedy. Oh, and of he course. Also, you know, he was mobbed up. I watched an interview, and actually, by the way, the only interesting stuff I've ever seen Jay Leno say in my life, I don't even know how I found, I literally got algorithm recommended, Joe Rogan talking to Jay Leno, and Jay Leno starts telling stories about doing his stand-up sets for like mobsters, like for real mafiosas. It was fascinating, but it was like, okay, like, you know, Jay Leno can do a comedy set for one of the biggest killers in Chicago, and that's like funny and odd, which it is, but somebody can't associate with somebody they grew up with to make sure that they don't get their car stolen or their chain snatched or whatever. I mean, come on, stop. It's disgusting. Yeah, I mean, you know, to wrap this up, I think this case is important because, like I said about the hip-hop police, I think a lot of what is going to be used for is to justify the harassment that happens to every single rap artist whenever they try to move around in New York. There is, the hip-hop police is not a myth, it's not a legend, it's stone cold facts. There's a dedicated unit in the NYPD dedicated to monitor, to, to monitoring the goings and comings of rap musicians. And there's been a lot of harassment through the years, a lot of bullshit through the years has, has happened to where, you know, a lot of artists, like I remember 2, two chains saying like, I don't like going to um, New York. They'll harass you for weed. God forbid my security has a firearm on him. He's going to get harassed and be subject to jail time for it. Like you can't even protect yourself as a hip hop artist. Um, there's just, the hip hop police in New York City is just disgusting. And, and, and I think for me, my takeaway from this case is this is just, um, you know, bolstering their their case for like, see, all these rappers are gang members and we should be harassing them. We should be monitoring them like fucking Big Brother. And we should be trying to ruin their chances of trying to make any kind of living for themselves in NYC, whether that be getting show money, whether that be, you know, club appearances, all the ways that these guys go about feeding themselves and their staffs. Um, we're going to try to make that as hard as possible for them because they're black and they make music. 100%. All right. Let's get to the crates, our recommendations for what you should be reading, listening to, watching, whatever it might be. Waz, what do you got for the people? Um, I, You know, this is going to sound like whatever because this movie made a shit ton of money last weekend. 
Um, but go out and see Hustlers if you have the chance this weekend. Jennifer Lopez is incredible. Her performance is breathtaking. Um, she is clearly one of the best movie stars of our generation. That goes with b- beyond whatever gender you want. She's magnetic. She's just phenomenal. She's sexy. She's witty. She's all of these things wrapped into one. She's warm and loving. Like she's all of these things in this role. The movie is great, but Jennifer Lopez, specifically her performance in this movie, everybody should leave their house to go watch her in this movie. It's super dope. You know, I'm somebody who hates the superhero, Marvel bullshit, men in tights, nonsense era that we're in, in mass (laughs) entertainment. And it's rare that we get a movie that's, you know, mid-budget, Good actors, adult theme, adult story. Um, nobody's got superpowers. It's just about people. It's about family. It's the kind of shit that the kind of content that I love to consume. Um, if you got a chance this weekend, go out and see that movie. Go see Hustlers. That sounds great. I guess I mean I'm you convinced me, man. Um, I'll yeah. check it out. Uh I would want to recommend uh a book, actually, I have it uh, right in front of me. It's called Born Fee Dead, which is by Lori Gunst, um, because I'm doing a research on a new, we're putting together an illicit history of the shower posse and the CIA in Jamaica. But it's like this really, it it's about the gang warfare of Jamaica in the 1980s, but she's an anthropologist. It's written, it's, it's, an, it's written very well. It's not, you know, it's, it's, it, I think maybe her perspective is very political and it's very humane. So she's kind of like, you know, there's a lot of books that can chronicle violence in particular places. And even as it deplores it, it's a little, you know, it gets a little vicey. This book is kind is not like that at all. It's actually a very emotional book. It's beautiful. And it lands you in a time uh, that is super distant, I feel like, you know, from even, you know, just even like modern, you know, gentrified Brooklyn, but it obviously still lives on in so many ways. So Born Fi Dead by Lori Gunst, great book on um, on the U.S. involvement, but CIA and Jamaican gang warfare and the 80s in Jamaica. Um, everybody become a patron of TMBS, patreon.com slash TMBS. Watch the Michael Brooks show on YouTube. Grab your tickets to the Philly show. Grab your tickets to the San Francisco show for Count the Dings if you can get them while they're hot. Uh, become a patron of Count the Dings, as I happily am. That allows us to keep powering forward as we do this show. And then, of course, get the whole Count the Dings experience by joining at The Athletic, where you really just get basically, I mean, that's the best sports journalism on everything, basketball, tennis, football, soccer. My friend Nando v- writes for soccer on The Athletic too. I mean, that that website, and now that they have the Count the Dings podcast, there's nothing in sports like it. Very so, kind words, my boy. It's the truth. So everybody, and of course, Make sure to leave a rating on the feed, leave a review, keep getting this out there, keep growing the pod. We'll see you next week. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Waz.
Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.